to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home. Live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. It was 21 years ago today that the awful occurrence of 9-11 happened. The attack on our country and on so many innocent people. And yet... We do our best, I think, as a nation and many, many organizations to honor the fallen of that day and to try to bring purpose to the lives of people who either were a part of that or were affected by it. I'm so grateful to have on someone who has done just that since that day, because his brother, an FDNY hero ran through a tunnel to get into those towers to run up and save as many people as he could. Stephen Siller did not come back, but his brother, Frank Siller, is now the chairman and CEO of Tunnel to Towers, an incredible organization that has done so much to help families of first responders, to uh, those who are um, needing assistance, whether it's with smart homes or paid off mortgages, families who have because of what happened that day and even in other tragedies beyond need a helping hand. Tunnel to Towers is an organization that I so greatly appreciate and am profoundly moved by. I'm so happy Frank is going to be here to talk about it because as he always says about 9-11, may we never forget we should never forget. And so we we do that today. We honor the people who were tragically affected by 9-11. We'll also be speaking with Bill Keegan. He is the founder of Heart 9-11, a wonderful organization um, that brings together the tradespeople, the first responders, the police, the firefighters, and they now go to help disasters around the world, anywhere that needs it, because they gained so much knowledge and insight on how to help during 9-11, because they were the ones to help bring it back to life again. It's all being brought to you by Balance of Nature Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule, the nutritional supplement that has changed my life now for the past 12 years, and that of my family as well, and many, many of my friends, and thousands of you. Balance of Nature is nothing but fresh produce that is pulverized and put into these capsules to the tune of a variety of 31 fruits and vegetables and up to 10 servings a day when you take just three and three capsules. It's been a remarkable blessing in my life. It has made me feel healthier, more alert, more energetic, and just I have that psychological peace of mind that I'm doing something that my body really needs. And you can do the same thing. Go to balanceofnature.com, order it, and then make sure that you put into the promo code my name, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, for 35% off your first preferred order and free shipping always. You can also order over the phone and speak to a wonderful person at Balance of Nature by calling 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. And again, tell them that your promo code is Laura, L-A-U-R-A. So looking so forward to these two incredible inspirational heroes, Frank Siller and Bill Keegan, on the way home today. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. 
Well, the last two years, I was very blessed and graced by the presence and uh, an honor of having Frank Siller. He is the CEO, the chairman of Tunnel to Towers, which I'm sure most of you know about, um, that wonderful foundation ever since uh, 9-11, 21 years ago, uh, has been doing so much good for our uh, fellow first responders, fallen, um, catastrophically injured uh, various uh, military members and their families, so much more. But Tunnel to Towers has an incredible story. And now 21 years later, the chairman and CEO who works so tirelessly for this organization is here once again on the way home. I'm so grateful to have Frank Siller. Frank, thank you so much. On this day of all days, 9-11, to be here. Um, I, I'm kind of speechless, actually, but thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Laura. And I enjoy talking to you and I'm your listeners, I know, care uh, about uh, what you have to say, and uh, and I know they're going to they care about nine eleven and the tremendous loss of life that we had uh, twenty one years ago today. So two thousand nine hundred and seventy seven great souls that we lost, and uh, we must always remember uh, and honor them. Absolutely. And we've uh, lost uh, some of the first responders since then um, due to mm-hmm. illnesses and such from working down um, in the area of, of the trade World Trade Center. And so Tunnel to Towers is just one of those organizations that just astounds me that you do exactly what you say you're going to do. And then more and more and more millions of dollars has been raised. Hundreds of millions of dollars, I think, has been raised that has gone to really impacting the lives of people that were left behind, the families and also of first responders. Tell us a little bit just the backstory for people who are hearing you for the first time. I'm sure they've heard you on TV, but not on my program before. Um, tell us how it all began with your wonderful brother, Stephen Siller. Well, 21 years ago today, um, it was such a sad day. Uh, it just changed my whole family's life. It changed America, changed the world. Um, you know, it started out so innocently. My brother Stephen just finished his night tour in Squad One in Brooklyn, New York City firefighter. And he was on his way home to play golf with me, my brother George, my brother Russ. And he heard on the radio scanner that the towers were hit. So he turned his truck around, went back to his firehouse, got his gear drove to the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, and it was closed. For security reasons, people were running out. Cars were abandoned. You couldn't get through it even if you wanted to. And um, he strapped 60 pounds of fire gear on his back, ran through that tunnel, which is nearly two miles long. I I want people to realize this is not like a little tunnel. This tunnel is nearly two miles long, up West Street, into what we believe was the South Tower because his body was never recovered. But um, but he lost all his other Squad One brothers in this, in the South Tower. So you would want to know where your squad is to to fight this first battle in the war on terror uh, together. You trained with them, and uh, while saving lives, he gave up his own. So we were just so moved as a family. He was my little, youngest brother, youngest of seven children. He was our blessing. He was our gift from the very beginning because. My oldest brother was 25 years older than him, and I was 14 years older than him, and I was closest in age. So he was really our little miracle, and we couldn't believe that that miracle was no longer uh, in our presence. And uh, we knew we had to do something, 
and I, you know, we're very proud of the work that we're doing in, in, in his honor. And Sometimes gonna, you, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I just want to bring you back to, to that day and with my family, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So, you know, when, 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 uh, when the South Tower came down, I remember, because that was the first tower, the North Tower was hit first, South Tower second, South Tower came down first, right? So when it came down, I remember I was in my, uh, in, in my house, and I turned to my mother-in-law, who came up to spend the day with us, because everything was going on. I turned to her and I said, Nancy, I think I just lost my brother. Uh, of course, not knowing how we got there, or but I just know he would. Um, I was overcome with emotion at that point, and I started to call my siblings and gathering my siblings to my house on Staten Avenue. Uh, they left work. Everybody was coming to my house. I ran to different firehouses. I tried to find out everything that was going on. I knew Stephen was on a list of missing firefighters. I was calling them. I was preparing to go to Ground Zero with uh, Rescue 5 from Staten Island. They were going to let me go there. Uh, they were they're gonna they were staging to ready to go. I went back to my house. My family's there. I get a phone call from a firefighter, Richie Obermeyer. Richie lives a couple of doors away from my brother uh, on Staten Island. And he said to me, Frank, um, you know, Stephen's on a list of missing firefighters. He says, Yeah, Rich, I've been talking to the fire department. I know it. I'm, I'm you know, it's it's crushing. I, I you know, hopefully he's, you know, looking for people and he's just not responding and he's what a and he goes, you know, it's really bad down here. And I said, I know, Rich, I'm, I'm watching on TV. I'm with my siblings. I'm watching. He goes, no, Frank, it's really bad. I said, Rich, I'm watching. I can see it. And he goes, no, you don't understand. Nobody's coming home. And uh, I had to walk in the other room and tell my siblings the conversation I just had. And my sister's. They were like mothers to my brother, Stephen, because my parents died by the time he was 10 years old. We raised Stephen as a family, primarily my eldest brother, Russ, but we raised him as a family and we were crushed and we were on our knees, overcome, but we looked at each other and we got up and we went to my sister-in-law's house and we stayed there for months and months for however long we had to, to help each other get through that period of time. And we made a vow a couple of weeks later, we started, I said to my sister, I said, can we start a foundation and honor what Stephen did? Cause we got the information. We found out what he did. And we just wanted to make sure that his sacrifice and the sacrifice of all these great heroes would never be forgotten. And that's why this year we started the, Tunnel the Towers 9-11 Institute, where we are teaching, we have a curriculum for K through 12 to teach American kids that knew nothing about ground about 9-11 and what happened. Not just my brother's story, because he's only he, he's only symbolic of all the acts of heroism that day. Those stories have to be told forever and ever, and that's our biggest mission at Tunnel to Towers. Oh, Frank, hey, I'm I'm so moved. I can I can barely 
think about what that must have been like for your family. I can't imagine. And his wife with five children at home. And there he goes, your angel, your miracle little brother, like an angel running through a tunnel two miles with 60 pounds of equipment up into those after already a shift, you know, and and exhausted and giving his life like that. And like you said, it's symbolic of so many of them. You knew you were going to do something. This institute that you're doing for education for kids, I am I am so speechless at what I'm seeing happening in the United States hmm. today in terms of all sorts of things. And uh, the idea that this is not being taught in every school as part of history, American history, is it's shocking. I'm shocked and how we could go from where we were 21 years ago when we were together, not only as a country, but a world that was behind us. And to today, where only 16 states are teaching 9-11. Do you know why? No, I don't know why. It's appalling. But when we found out, uh, that is exactly why we started this institute. Since we made this announcement just a few days ago about the Tunnel Towers 9-11 Institute, we've had so many teachers contact us. And you could download the curriculum. You could take it from us, bring it to your classroom, and teach it to your class. And I'm praying that it goes across America and I am going to, you're helping today. You're helping me to get that word out. But I am praying that we could get that out over the next several years because it is going to take a concerted effort to go after all these states that are not doing it. Now, I know a lot of teachers do it. I know a lot of places that do it individually, but I we need to make sure that it's in the history books and being taught. And we created this curriculum with the people that not only lived it, that are scholars that know how to teach and how to get the point across in the proper way, age appropriately. And uh, we're so proud. We're so proud of this. You know, all the work that we do, you know, yes. Yeah. You know, we're going to take care. We'll always take care of every catastrophically injured service member that gave their bodies for our country and now we do it for first responders too. If you get paralyzed, and we're gonna make, we're gonna build you a mortgage-free smart home. If you're a gold star widow or a fallen first responder widow, and your loved one dies in the line of duty, and you have a young family left behind, we're gonna give you a mortgage-free home. If you don't have a home, we're gonna build you one. If you do have it, we're gonna pay off your mortgage because the comfort of a home, the security of a home, after you lose your loved one like that. You need to know you can stay in your home. Those kids need to know they can stay in their home. That's what we're doing. And now we also made a promise to eradicate homelessness amongst our veterans. 40,000 veterans that went to protect us, that went to war, that that were willing to die for us. You know, they didn't. They came back. And for whatever reason, they couldn't get themselves back into society. We're going to build them a comfort home, a 500-square-foot home. We're going to build these communities for them. But we're going to make sure they get all the comprehensive services that they are going to need to get themselves acclimated back to uh, to society. So we're doing all that work. But let me tell you, number one, make sure we never forget. And and that's what we're proud of that work. And I remember you saying that on the other times you were on the program. 
we should never forget. We cannot forget. And so this institute, this 9-11 Institute for uh, Educating the Children is available free of charge for schools, did you say? Or do they pay for the curriculum? No, it's free of charge. Free of charge. My donors that listening to you, they go to T2T.org and donate $11 a month. They're making sure that America learns. Uh, And that's what we do with $11 a month. Take care of all those other things that we just said, all those houses, over 200 mortgage-free homes this year, over 200 mortgage-free homes last year, and doing all this other work, our Never Forget programs, is so important. But $11 a month, I don't think is asking too much for people to, to, to chip in to take care of the greatest of all families, those who are willing to die for you and I, and sometimes do. Absolutely. And, you know, you're not supposed to say when you donate, your left hand isn't supposed to know when your right hand is giving. The Bible says, but I want to tell everybody it's one of those that is a recurring. It comes out of your bank account, eleven dollars. It's so doable, but you feel like you're giving a million dollars. That's what it feels like in your heart and spirit when you know you're a part of this movement to give back to these people. And Frank, really, you did you. Even know when you had the idea to create a foundation in, in honor of Stephen and all of his comrades and everyone who gave their lives and lost their lives that day, did you have any idea that it would keep exponentially growing like this? I mean, you keep getting more and more ideas about ways to bless people that need the help. Is it has it taken on a life of its own? T2T.org? Well, it, it, it has. We were as a family, you know, the siblings, we weren't looking to do the things that we're doing today. Mm-hmm. But God put us on a path. And, you know, when it's so right and so good and so perfect, you have no choice as a human being. If you're listening at all to the man upstairs, look, what my brother did, that sacrifice, we can as a family make sure that we sacrifice our time to go out there and get this message across of 9-11 and take care of these great families. So we had no grand plans. But I'm telling you, every decision that we have made has been so easy because it's so good and it is so right and so necessary. So we have no choice, you know, but to do this. And Stephen and all of his band of brothers and sisters in heaven with him are seeing to it, I have a feeling. When I watch that commercial, uh, one of them that you have on, you have so many good ones. And I watch them over and over because they're so inspirational. They're so moving. And you're sitting at the top of the new Freedom Tower, having lunch with with some families that have received the the smart homes and the help and the mortgage-free homes. I, it just moves me so much to see you sitting up there. What does that feel like for you? Not only because of Tunnel to Towers at the foundation and how wonderful it's been, but what does that feel like for you to be on that property in that building 21 years later? Well, look, it is emotional, but it's inspiring. Just think of it. Now, I, I, so I know how many steps there are in that building. There's 2,200 and 26 steps. We have a climb there every single year. And I say that there are 2,226 stories that you can make on each step. Think of the heroism that that Freedom Tower represents. Think of the firefighters that were running up those stairs and the police officers that were there. And, and 
the stories. How about the story of the man in the red bandana, Wells mm. Crowther, who saved countless people. And and then the, his parents find out afterwards and said, yeah, some guy with a red bandana helped me out and, and told me that, you know, it, it's incredible. And the mother and father said, uh, he used to go with a red bandana. He was a firefighter. He wasn't a police officer. And he gave his life that day to save others. How about my buddy, uh, uh, Gene Raggio, who worked for the Port Authority? He wasn't Port Authority police. We lost 37 Port Authority police officers that day. But how about Gene Raggio, who in 1993 survived that bombing? And there's an iconic picture of him coming out of that building with blood coming down his forehead. It was shown a thousand times. I've seen it. And then on 2001, he calls his wife, Francine, and says, Francine, don't worry. I'm out of the buildings. I'm okay. I'm safe. This is before they came down. I'm safe. Don't worry. I'll be home. Bye-bye. He goes back in. Mm. He goes back in. He goes back in because he knows these buildings better than anybody. And he was telling the police and the fire department how to get here, what to do here. And I know because I got the information back. He gives up his life. It's incredible. These stories have to be told. These stories have to be told. So to be in that building, to do a PSA, commercial, whatever you want to call it, public service announcement, announcement to be in there with guys that gave their bodies who went to war afterwards uh, because of what happened on 9-11. You know how many people signed up for our military after 9-11. To be with Gold Star Widows, to be with those couple of people who died, the loved ones died because of 9-11 illnesses, all right, because we take care of those families too, all right? Mm -hmm. They have a young family. You died 9-11 illness. You're a first responder. We're going to pay off your mortgage. To be with those who served our country, it's incredible to sit up there and hear the stories why, why some of them went, you know, Rob Jones, why he served. He said, I, hear, I heard about 9-11. I saw it. I wanted to serve. I, and they all, and you know what? These guys that gave their bodies would all go back and do it again. Yes. And to every one of them, they said they would go back in a minute and go do it again. Thank God in America that we have these heroes that have the courage, the courage to serve our country while we enjoy our freedoms. But you know what? That's why we're the greatest country that ever existed, our First Amendment rights. But it's given to us, to these men and women who protect us and are willing to die for us. That is right. And it's also incumbent upon all of us to never forget to pass along the teachings, the stories of everything that happened, those stories that you just gave right now. Those are just a fraction of 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 how many miracle human beings sacrificed their lives that day. And thanks to you, Frank Siller. I honestly I, I know that you don't want to take any of it because you want to put the focus on your beautiful brother, Stephen Siller, and all of the first responders and all of the people who died that day. But you are our, our hero. I was going to say my hero, but you're the, our hero and America's hero. We need you. We thank you for all you're doing for these families. And we just, I encourage everybody listening today, please remember 9-11 wasn't just a New York thing. It was an American problem and issue and tragedy. And uh, it's something that we need to continue to remember in order that it may never happen again. And for those that were left behind or need help, 
the way to do it, Tunnel to Towers is doing it so valiantly. I'm so grateful. T2T.org. The letter T is in Tom. Two T. Org. T2T.org is how you donate $11 a month or $11 million if you have it on you. <laughs> I don't think Frank would turn it down at all. And oh. I, I truly thank you in honor of your brother and, and everyone. Frank Siller, thank you. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Laura. God bless you, too. On this sacred day, you're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Laura Smith, and here's a minute of purpose, improving your life 60 seconds at a time. You've heard about being in the zone. Another term is a flow state. Have you heard of that? Well, this is where you become so engrossed in something that it becomes almost effortless. Athletes know how it feels, and so do many artists. So how can you tap into your own flow state and make the harder tasks in life easier? Well, first, look at that chore as a challenge. Get yourself fixed on conquering it. Set a goal as to what you intend to do by the end of your session. Next, remove distractions. Put the phone in another room. Ignore emails or TV. And dedicate yourself to what's in front of you. And then finally, give yourself time. Research shows that 15 minutes of undivided attention is what's needed to trigger the flow state. As you focus on the task at hand, you'll tap greater resources of creativity and problem solving. So yes, you can create the conditions to easily handle tough tasks. Just activate your flow state. This has been your Minute of Purpose. Find more at nowwithpurpose.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. This special edition of The Way Home today is um, bringing me together with people whom I've worked with in the past in terms of uh, interviewing for radio shows because of the important work that they're doing. And Bill Keegan is no exception. He founded Heart 9-11 after uh, that fateful day and has really carried on this organization for years and years. It was probably almost eight to 10 years ago when I had him on uh, WABC in New York City. I'm so grateful that he's he's come back and he's going to tell us everything that Heart 9-11 is up to and what is it, it has accomplished over the years, which is so much. Bill Keegan, thank you so much for joining us on this solemn day and of remembrance of 9-11. Yeah, thank you so much, Laura. It's great to see you again. Absolutely. So do tell us for the audience who is hearing about you for the first time uh, about exactly how Heart 9-11 came about and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, I was a Port Authority police lieutenant in the Special Operations Division on 9-11-2001. And I was sent on that day down to the World Trade Center, arriving somewhere around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And uh, for the next nine months, I was the night commander of the Port Authority Police Department's rescue and recovery mission. So I spent all nine months there. And as you might imagine, um, it was one of the most horrible things I've had to do, but one of the most honorable and one of the most life affirming in many ways uh, duties I've ever had to see how people came together working with uh, New York building trades, working with the FDNY, the NYPD, and so many of the volunteer groups that came down to to assist us in, in the efforts. 
Um, it was really uh, life-affirming in so many ways. And as we know, the country came together. Um, it was as if they saw us on 9-12 fighting back, and, and we gave the entire city, country, courage. They said, well, if, if they're willing to go into that very hazardous um, environment and risk their lives to fight back, we too want to support them. And we felt that love from all over the country. And um, it was just an incredible opportunity. And as we walked up the steel bridge, rescue recovery workers, all of us, uh, on the last day, May 30th of the formal uh, rescue recovery mission, I think we all wondered, um, what's next? Uh, what has this done to us in a, in a negative way? Or what will it make us going forward? And um, one of those questions was answered as I realized that we could use this as a moment that's transformational in a very good way. That having met this incredible challenge, having been so um, tasked during these nine months, uh, that it brought something out in us that we maybe wouldn't have discovered had we not been gone through that. And, and so it, it kind of said, well, let's build a platform that we can continue this journey. Of, of finding out more about ourselves. You know, frankly, you know, we were stripped of so much down there. Our, our moral compass had been thrown out of whack in that, you know, just seeing all the death and, and the evil that caused it. So we, we decided that um, we would try to fill ourselves with the goodness that came to us. And, and that's what we did. And that's how Heart 9-11 started. Why not, on a voluntary basis, do what we used to do for a living as we were retiring? And in some ways, so many active people on the FDNY and the building trades are also in Heart 9-11. And, and they um, get an awful lot out of the uh, different um, missions that we, we find ourselves on. Bill, I remember so well because I was living in New York at the time and that the day after and then those months that you're describing right now is something it's almost hard to tell what it was like. I have a lot of people here now that I'm in northern Indiana. I have a lot of people saying, what was it like? Because you were in New York um, when it happened. And of, of course, you go through where you were and what we were doing that day. I was actually on the air broadcasting it and I, I always say that seeing the buildings collapse and having to report that as it was happening was probably the hardest reporting I'd ever done. And, and yet it was the time afterwards that you're talking about that I don't think anyone had ever seen the coming together of of humanity in the way that they did. New Yorkers became I looked at New Yorkers in such a different way at that point. It was hard to describe. Everyone looked like an angel to me. Everyone looked like a hero to me. And we all felt this incredible sense of love that was so deep. And it was, it was hard to describe and which is sort of unusual when you think about it because, you know, New Yorkers are sort of kind of known the world over as sort of those, those New Yorkers who are very, you know, to the task and getting to where they need to go. And, uh, you know, sometimes people say not so friendly or whatever. That was just all erased. I'll never forget it after after that day. And um, what you did and all the different crews is something that 
it's hard to describe to people because I've never seen so much selfless work for so long. It went on. It felt like for so very long afterwards, all that, that recovery and, and, and rescue and, and everything. Um, so I can't even imagine. And, and then for you, um, in, with, with your brothers there and sisters and uh, in the different forces, so many of them have now been impacted by that. Uh, health wise and such, um, you've probably seen a lot since then. So Heart 911 is, is it going towards things that are non related to 911? And at this point, I think you have a lot of rescue missions and things like that, that hey, have come out of it because of what you learned from working together down there. Tell us, tell us some of the wonderful initiatives that Heart 911 still carries on to this day. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of the, the, the members of Heart 911. You know, having built this platform so that people can continue doing the great work that they got used to doing on the job, and for many others who they really love working with very skilled people because we accomplish so much in a small amount of time for a small amount of money, and and that's what's really critical about Heart 911 is that we're so skilled and we decided we wanted to share those skills and the experience of 9-11 with other people. We remember Katrina happened after 9-11, and and those poor people had suffered. And and I think it was an eye-opener for us because we had figured because 9-11 was so well done, so safely done, that, you know, we had learned all of our lessons, and every disaster after that would be much better managed. But it wasn't. And that's when the idea really dawned on all of us. We should share this knowledge. We should take the hard-learned lessons of 9-11 and share them with people that are going through very similar uh, circumstances as we had been. And, you know, it's so interesting. We bring our tactical skills. We bring our experience. Uh, But what a lot of people wanted to know is how did we recover emotionally? having done that job. And I, and, and there's where another part of Heart 9-11 came in. So we respond to disasters. What we also do is a responder to responder program where we help other responders. And one of those programs is the SMART program, which is a stress management and resiliency training, which we developed, uh, modified from the Harvard School of Medicine, the Benson Henry Institute. This is the gold standard of, of stress management programs, and they have allowed Heart 9-11 to share the modifications we've made in their program with other first responders. So when we go to a disaster, not only are we helping them with uh, emergency response, medical response, rebuilding with all of our building trades people, but we're also leaving behind how we overcame the emotional uh, traumas, damage that we had all suffered through. Absolutely. And you've had certainly many opportunities since 9-11 for that. You mentioned Katrina. I'm also thinking Hurricane Sandy. Um, mm-hmm. th- that was, wow, That I, I'll never forget that as well, being in New York during that time. And um, so there's lots of these types of things. Now you're going a- across the country, so you said, right? You're not just in the, in the East Coast or the, the Eastern Seaboard type of thing. You're is Heart 911 now going out anywhere where there's a disaster and and adding your expertise? Exactly, and it and the first one happened in 2010 after the earthquake in Haiti, 
we just couldn't sit by. Uh, we knew that they would need our expertise. So I was so surprised that I put out a call for members and it was overwhelming that amount of people that wanted to go. And when we arrived there in Haiti, um, obviously over 200,000 people killed very little resources and you know our expertise was so needed and we wound up building you know schools at the uh the tent cities that had popped up we rebuilt the jesuit compound the convent the, the novitiate we rebuilt an entire orphanage uh with uh, firehouses clinics pharmacies uh, over a hundred homes and and we really, you know, appreciated the Haitian people. And and be honest with you, you know, having come out of 9-11, I would have never imagined that 9-11 would have taken me on sort of a missionary um, mission uh, to Haiti, sitting there in the mountains of Haiti, just looking back at where we had been. But we've been all over. We've been to Ecuador after earthquakes. Uh, we've been down to uh, the Bahamas after Dorian. And, and a very long, very impactful response to Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, we rebuilt over 450 homes, 450 families um, got their homes back after the damage of Maria. And we trained so many pre-apprentices in the skills of carpentry. So they, they not only could help their own communities, but it gave them back a sense of control because now they had skills and knowledge but it also prepared them for the next event that we know will happen. Incredible. It's like uh, not just teaching people how to fish or, or to how to eat the fish, but to, to how to fish. And mm -hmm. so, so what an incredible gift. Now, is all of this funded by donations to Heart 9-11? Tell me how people can get involved in maybe helping out what all the amazing work you do. Yeah, it's all donations. First of all, nobody in Heart 9-11 takes a dollar. Okay. All of these incredible firefighters, police officers and building trades people, no one gets paid, including myself, to run the organization. Um, and, and we run it on donations from people. And all I can say is, is that 96 cents of your dollar goes directly to the people you want it to go to. It doesn't come to us. And um, that's what's really made a purity of the response. And as you know, I mean, we paid, got paid very well um, while we worked. But now there's a whole different reason for us working. And it's sort of giving to people without any expectation of getting anything back. And that's so pure that mm. it actually fills us. And we feel as if when we go to these places that like we've taken away more than we've given. And that's what the beauty of it is. So, yes, heart911.org, if, if you can have your listeners go to that uh, website, heart911.org, and make a donation, know that you're supporting the cops, firemen, and construction workers that work 9-11 that have now taken their skills and expertise to others so that we can help them get through their disaster. It, it is really incredible. It, it, it makes me feel so happy. You're right. It's the purest act of love I think anyone can do is to just help their brother and sister in need and expect nothing in return. And the joy and satisfaction of just knowing that you gave a helping hand. Incredible, incredible stuff. Heart911.org. Bill Keegan, I know you have an event coming up on 912, and this has become somewhat of a, a recurring event. Yeah. What, you know, 911 is for the families. 
and for the families that lost. And certainly I lost a lot of friends and we remember them on that day and that's their day. But 9-12 is the day that we began fighting back when the country saw us with our white buckets and our gloves and tearing at that 1.8 million tons of twisted steel and, and, and fighting back. So what we would like to do is commemorate a tribute to that day when everyone joined us and, and the city made a turn. And, and we as a people made a turn to the same what you were talking about, the love, the beauty of it, the, 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 the overwhelming need to help those that are in pain, uh, bring comfort to, um, you know, certainly we can't make it right. Nothing can make that day right. Uh, but we can help soften it, ameliorate some of those of really difficult feelings. And and that's why we do 9-12. So, yeah, this is our second year. Last year, we had a march through Tribeca down to the 9-11 Memorial where we held a rally. Last year, we, we wanted to recognize the underappreciated contributions of the New York building trades, without whom the uniformed services wouldn't have been able to do anything at 9-11. Uh, this year, what we're trying to do is to show the resiliency of New Yorkers, where we're bookending 9-11 with the COVID response of all those essential workers and frontline people that showed up during COVID, very reminiscent of what we did on 9-11 and bring a lot of light to the incredible sacrifices they made during that time. Absolutely. And I know that you you have uh, different performances that come. And um, so are all the tradespeople and, and people invited to come free of charge to see the show? And how many how many people does it hold? Yeah. So it's a 900 uh, seat uh, performing arts center, Tribeca Performing Arts Center. It's at the Manhattan Community College. And we're, we're going to have a show where we're going to show the different things we've done over the years and culminating with COVID, we're going to give a nice award to the nurses of New York, to the union uh, of nurses for their courage and bravery of, of bringing the city through. We're going to have Southside Johnny and Yasbury Jukes playing. Uh, we're going to have Bobby Allende, a, a wonderful salsa conga player. He's going to perform around our Puerto Rico Hurricane Maria response. And we also have come from away a Tony Award winning Broadway play about 9-11 going to come in and do two numbers from their uh, from their play. So we're going to intersperse some speakers and their personal uh, contributions. And we're going to have some films and we're going to have some nice entertainment. And it should be good. If you go to our website again, you can buy tickets um, to the event. It's $50 general admission. Many of the unions have purchased the tickets for their union members, so the rank and file will be there strong, and and they will not have to pay. Uh, so thank you to the unions that support us uh, all the time, and, and thank you to all of their volunteers that make Heart 9-11 work. Absolutely. That's wonderful. This program airs in northern Indiana, southern Michigan, but also in Greenwich, Connecticut and <laughs> Westchester County, New York. So uh, for my East Coasters who are hearing Bill Keegan right now of Heart 9-11, purchase the tickets um, that will go to help uh, give back to this incredible uh, band of heroes that helped during the pandemic. And of course, the tradesmen and and all the first responders. Uh, it sounds like an incredibly I love Come From Away. That is the most beautiful play. And I know it's playing here um, in the South Bend area. It uh, played recently and it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, Broadway show with incredible music. And and that 
same spirit um, that we were talking about before that was very uh, prevalent the day after 9-11, where people come together in love to help one another as humanity and only as that. Bill Keegan, thank you so very much. I want to encourage anyone listening today, encourage to heart911.org heart911.org and just know that you are going to be donating 96 cents to the dollar to wherever there is a disaster. They'll come to our area. They were just in Kentucky recently as well um, for all that was happening there. So thank you for all you do. I encourage everyone, please donate. It is an amazing organization and and front run by an amazing man, Bill Keegan. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank Thank you, you, Laura. It's great to see you again. Heart911.org. When we return, it's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Sometimes when there is just so much devastation and tragedy, so much beauty and goodness comes from it, from the hearts of humanity. And for that, I am always grateful. Grateful to Tunnel to Towers, Frank Siller, for all the work that incredible organization is doing. And today we commemorate everyone who was affected by 9-11, all these 21 years later. Well, at this point of the program, we do like to have some good news, stories that uplift you and inspire you, like so many of the stories on 9-11 of people that did whatever they could to help others during that time. So, Jim Cleefield, do you have something today that that will lift our spirits? And did you mention the word help? I think that really is apropos to the first story, because I'm going to tell you about what happened in Massachusetts, about the story of a woman who owns a salon in Massachusetts. Her name is Amanda Barrett, and she did something really wonderful at the end of last month. It's back to school time, don't you know? And she decided to do something to help specifically single mothers and families who are struggling because of the high cost of everything by doing free kids cuts. She blessed 30 kids at her salon in a place that I'm familiar with, by the way, Lemonster. Massachusetts, not far from where I w- went to prep school, as a matter of fact. And, uh, yeah, she blessed these 30 kids and in addition had also school supplies and backpacks for them. It was just a, it's the first ever time she's ever done this. And in addition to that, she also had a drawing for some arts and crafts gifts and a young kid, I think a very little girl won that. She was very, very emotional and just made her so happy. And Amanda mentioned on her Facebook post that just she was brought to tears by this because she knew she was doing some real good because she says we need it in this world. And it's just really, Wonderful that she did it for these families, you know, just to the kindness of her heart, you know, giving back, if you will, to the community. And you know what she said? She said, I'm already looking forward to next year. The second one, she said in big letters, I cannot wait for next year, the second annual free cut kids, free kids cuts and uh, good for her. I mean, just to just to do a little favor for them, because as we said, the things are really costing very a lot these days. And to do for these kids, that's really nice of her to do. I love how um, when people maybe you don't give you don't have millions of dollars to give to different charities and things like that but sometimes you just give what you you have already and like this woman had the talent she cut hair for a living mm-hmm. so why not give what she already knows how to do i think that's such a beautiful thing and something we can all really think about like what is it that i do on a daily basis that i could take maybe 10% of it and and give it to somebody who might need it. And I just think that's wonderful. Good for her. 30 haircuts. It'll 
probably grow uh, yeah. year to year. So that's really wonderful. Good for her. Wonderful stuff there. What else do you have for us today, Jim? A very interesting story about two sisters who actually never really lived with each other or knew each other until they finally met up in their 50s as a result of an online genealogy service. Very interesting story. Uh, these two sisters, 59-year-old Diane Ward and 56-year-old Mary McLaughlin, they were kind of sort of crossing paths. They, they belonged to a biological mother, but one didn't know who her biological mother was, and the other ended up with adoptive parents because apparently one day her mother never returned. We don't know where the mother went. Well, they decided to use an adoptive service, a DNA service called MyHeritage, and it's a kind of test of family history to see, you know, if they're related in some way, and it led into a a possible cousin, if you will, that uh, found these two were, in fact, uh, kind of related. And so... They, they, they found out about that, and they ended up chatting online during the pandemic. Finally, just this past month, they met in person in their 50s after all these years. Now, McLaughlin in particular, at first... You know, she was very angry at the fact that she never really knew her sister because she never had a chance to lean on a family member, a sibling, you know, to confide in when something was on her mind. And that's understandable. But at the same time, you know, they ended up uh, chatting a lot. They ended up on the beach together. And uh, the fact that this happened, I mean, it's just, it was better late than never, really, that these two were together. And so uh, you know, these sisters, again, it took 50 years. But I guess you can say, you know, God has a plan in some respect. Maybe, maybe because it just it wasn't meant to happen. God wasn't saying, no, you know, you weren't going to meet. It just it was going to take some time. You just have right. to trust the process here, if you will. And now they are finally reunited after sort of crossing paths between Detroit and Pittsburgh all these years. And now they, you know, they realize that they are sisters and good for them. Yeah. I mean, a long time coming. I think they also found out, I read this story earlier this week also, that they actually had, when they were growing up and they were small, they were actually living like in the same town, but they didn't know it. So that's where I I love these genealogy stories. And when when they have a happy ending like that, when people find each other and can finally have the, you know, the relationship that they've been looking for their whole lives, basically. It's a wonderful thing. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy. I appreciate that. You're and Yes. And once again, thank you to Frank Siller and Tunnel to Towers. You can go to T2T.org to donate. And please, everyone, um, today when we remember 9-11, reach out and touch someone and do your best to live with love in the world. We thank you for being with us today. Thank you to Bob and Jim for helping produce the show. And we'll see you next time on The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith.